Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. I recently joined Nick Schiffer and Tyler Grace on the Modern Craftsman podcast. They asked me about marketing performance, marketing strategy, and how much to allocate for marketing, as well as a whole lot more in this almost two-hour episode. Here it is. Tyler, today we're talking about some creepy stuff. Yeah, it's it's a little bit creepy. I still I haven't watched that movie. Would you say the social social dilemma? dilemma. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's somewhat of fear. So to, I, I haven't, you haven't watched it out of fear. Yeah, I just feel like it's it's. I don't want to watch it. Maybe and, I so will. that was like everyone's like, did you see this movie? It's like crazy. Like, but and I watched it. I'm like, I I I'm pretty sure I wrote notes down in my phone. I yeah. Like, oh, I got to utilize that. <laughs> and it, yeah, I mean, what we're talking about is you know specifically right now is like the whole like Facebook and, and Instagram targeted ads, right? You know, it's when you, you know, you go to the store and you think about buying something and then you leave and then you get an ad in your phone. Like, how was my phone listening to me? Like, how did it know I wanted a coffee maker? Uh, but the reality is it talks about how it predicts your, your, your behavior. And, you know, and, and there's r- like a r- real case to that, you know, the, ultimately like, you know, we as humans are are more predictable. And anytime I've ever been in a position where I open my phone and I'm like, that's weird. I was just thinking about that. And I didn't say it out loud. Like, my, how did my phone know? Is it tapped into my brain somehow? And if you sit there and really think about it, it's like, oh, no, I started thinking about coffee makers because I was just with, you know, Tyler who bought a coffee maker and my phone was in the proximity of his and I have a sharing thing on my phone. So it tells me that I'm near Tyler and Tyler probably talked about coffee makers because he just bought it. Like it, 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 I'm going down a tangent. However, we're going to talk about how that's related to building and how yeah. you can utilize a marketing strategy. I just, I, I, dude, I, I'm, I'm fired up. Yeah. I mean, we had Spencer, Spencer on to discuss this and what his, from his company is builder funnel builder funnel so essentially it, it's it's not using these exact tactics but why are residential remodeling and building companies not using marketing tactics like yeah. every other business in every other industry and developing a, a proper marketing plan and allocating budget towards that to drive leads to your business and you know we we discuss everything from top to bottom but these even as simple as like hey i just have a word of mouth business and it's like well the word of mouth businesses come from doing a project for somebody so if you get a if you get more leads it's just more word of mouth referrals if it's a good experience for you so it's a it's an interesting conversation and it's just not something that I feel a lot of people, myself included, consider 
a proper adequate marketing plan for their business because it's it, it's just not everyday occurrence with what we do but that's where his that's his that's his market that's his demographic that's where he chose to specialize for his marketing agency it's it's residential remodeling contractors which is an interesting little niche and he explains why he's in there and how he's made that work it's it's a cool conversation yeah and by the end of it you're going to hear me spend money this podcast is brought to you by Anderson. When making decisions on the product you spec, we're always thinking about what's right for the customer and what the specific project's needs are. We're also thinking about our reputation, and Anderson knows that the product they manufacture are part of the legacy that we're all trying to build. From Fibrex composite material that delivers performance and looks at a budget-friendly price point to the Easy Connect reinforced joining system that makes it easier to assemble oversized window walls with less people to Anderson's best-performing A-series product line with the most energy-efficient windows and doors Anderson has ever offered. Whatever your building needs are, they've got you covered. Anderson knows it's about fewer callbacks and products that will perform over time. That's why they test test and test their products beyond the threshold required by the industry. Anderson appreciates that. While it may be their products going into our projects, it's ultimately our brands that we're building. And they're proud to be helping us craft our legacies. Learn more about their product offering at andersonwindows.com. This podcast is brought to you by Build a Trend. Running multiple projects at a time wouldn't work without a solid system for keeping everyone on the same page. Luckily, there's an easy way to keep your teams, your subs, and most importantly, your clients in the loop of what's happening on a project. With Builder Trends Construction Management app, you and your team can post daily progress notes, photos, and schedule updates from anywhere. Your clients can then access all this information in their customer portal without having to call, text, or email you with every little question. Are they are they insinuating that customers call and text us with every little question? They may be right. They are. Uh, I, I would I would I would agree with them. I, I feel like they're on to something, but to learn how you can update clients without lifting a finger, go to buildertrend.com slash MC demo to see the customer portal in action. Spencer, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Yeah. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Good to see you. We chatted not too long ago, right? I was on your podcast a couple of months ago. Yeah. I remember when that it was. sounds about right. Two or three months. Yeah. Goes quick. Yeah. It's crazy. We we had Jeff Sweener on last week and he was talking about, what was he, episode like 50? Yeah, it was like years ago. And we were like, oh, that, you know, you know, we, we, as he was getting on, we didn't think it was that long ago. And we're like, wait, we're at two, episode 280, which is bananas. How many episodes do you have on yours at this point? That's a good question. It, I think it says in the 200s, but we've yeah. done like a few different series. So mm. I feel like we've probably recorded three or 400, something like that. Um, yeah. Damn. So when did yeah. you start? several years ago i don't know i should know but i i don't know we've just been doing it for a while i remember when we started it i just told the team like we're gonna do this for a year before we even decide if we're gonna keep going or not so i don't know it's probably been close to six years maybe five or six yeah similar is the podcast at this point and like the anchor that you like is that the right word like the center of what you you do like i guess where most of your effort and and revenue is produced from I don't know that I would call it the center. It's a big piece, but we, yeah. we've put a lot of time and energy into our like SEO and content 
and blogs too. And so mm-hmm. we get a lot of just organic traffic, people finding us and, and converting. But I do, it's a big piece of people come into the ecosystem and then they end up following the podcast. And so when you end up hopping on the teams on a sales call or something, they'll, somebody will almost always mention, oh, I've been following the podcast for a while or just started following the podcast or whatever it is. So it's hard to, so hard to track all mm. the nitty gritty details of the podcast that I would like to track more so that we get with like web data with searches. Yeah. So I don't know if that totally answered your question. I don't know if I'd call it the center piece, but it is a big piece. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm more looking at it as, um, I guess I was more thinking about it in terms of revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, where's most of your revenue being generated? You know, obviously you get, so Builder Funnel, Funnel is a marketing agency for remodelers and builders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and the, that the podcast was probably, or, or, you know, kind of obviously built out of the necessity to educate potential client base. So factor. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I I think that's fair to say it's not the center, but it's a huge, probably driving force to your own funnel. Yeah, it definitely is. I would say of like social YouTube podcast, that's the biggest channel is the podcast. And part of it too was, we try to be the agency that eats our own dog food. So like, if we're going to tell people you should be creating content and podcast, mm-hmm. like we try to be a really good example of that as well. And so that was a factor when we started it. Yeah. The, the, in terms of, well, I guess in terms of creating content and, and eating your own dog food, I've never heard it said that way, but has, how has your business evolved? I guess over the the court, how long have you get, have you been in business as Builder Funnel? <laughs> About thirteen years since we started. I think the Builder Funnel brand was maybe a couple of years into that, but we were essentially but were all, doing but, but always doing marketing and yeah, and, digital marketing. Yep. So I, I'd love to just like I want to unpack marketing in general and and just like how it's tied to remodeling and building. You know, obviously Tyler and I and and a lot of our guests talk about marketing a lot but being that you're a marketing agency for our industry i'd love to understand how that has evolved over 13 years and what you i would assume that you continue to struggle with in terms of like educating your your uh your client Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) where do you want to start (laughs) well start 13 years ago like why did you why did you get into marketing for builders yeah it was kind of a a merge of a couple of things so my family has a long construction background out in the seattle market so i think at this point 110 11 12 years something like that many generations so spec building built up apartment buildings built up some retirement communities but really when i kind of got out of college and entered that space. My uncles were running the company and they were doing a lot of spec building, but that pretty much went to zero in, you know, the great recession. And so they started doing a lot more remodeling and custom homes. And so when I got out of school, I was really just online a lot, looking for jobs, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I started seeing some businesses were using social media 
And that was like new at the time. It was mm-hmm. like Facebook business pages, like, whoa, and then Twitter accounts. And that was basically it. No Instagram, no TikTok, no hows. And so I started, I was just like, hey, can I work on your blogs and your SEO and like do some Facebook and Twitter for you? And so I, I did that for them and, and a couple other just like family connections and started to just go down the rabbit hole of SEO and content and blogging, how all these pieces work together and how do you track it? And over several years, I think it was about four years, we helped them grow from 2 million to 10 million and gaining traction and learning a lot. And so that's how we got into this space plus mm-hmm. digital kind of married the two. And, and a couple of years in, it was kind of like, well, we were just targeting anyone and then, and then it just made sense to focus on an industry. And we had the background, we had several clients that were builders and said, Hey, I think we know the space well enough. We should just pick a vertical because then we have a chance at being the best versus if you're a marketing agency for everybody, like you're nobody. Mm-hmm. How many, I mean, how many other companies are competing specifically in the building space? There's definitely a handful. Some of them I would say have picked like three to five verticals. So you go to their site and, you know, construction is one of them, but you can find them. You can Google and and find a handful. We don't bump into a ton of them in like, oh, we're talking to these three companies and they're all three are building or remodeling focused. But if I had to ballpark, there's probably like, I don't know, seven to 15 that are, it's either one vertical or the primary ish vertical. And, and in terms of like, so you, you jump into this vertical of just building and remodeling and you, you talk about obviously from a marketing perspective, creating content and, and being relevant, but a lot of what your website talks about is being results driven and guaranteed results. And so when, when I think about that, I think about there's metrics and you're, you're, you must be measuring, you you must be measuring something because in order to get result, like to, to guarantee a result then you need to be able to measure that result. So what are some, what are some of those KPIs that you're, that you're tracking and, and how are you guaranteeing that this is an investment that, you know, builders and remodelers should be considering. Yeah, that was something that always bugged me early on with like blogging and posting to Facebook and Twitter in those first couple of years. It was like, how do I mm-hmm. quantify this? You know, and you you start with what you can, right? It's, oh, it's traffic and impressions and, you know, but at the end of the day, what we're after is revenue, and whatever gets us to that path and and it's revenue and then it's type of revenue, right? So if you do high end design build, you don't want handyman projects. So that matters too. So it's, it's quantity and quality. And really uh, there's software out there that allows you to track from click to close if you want to summarize it that way. But that was something that was really important as a part of our early path is we need to put the tracking software in place. Otherwise, we're just guessing over and over and over again. And and you can feel like it's working or you can feel like it's not working. And the owner will tell you like, it's not working or, oh man, we're really getting a lot of traction right now. And that's just a feeling they get based on like inbound calls and you know how many leads they're getting. But unless you can actually tie it down. So the just getting the software in place, we use HubSpot. There's tons of other tools that's the one we partnered with and we've been super happy with them for a long, long time. So we continue to do that, but they're not the only option out there. 
So back to your question, the way we track it, I mean, the basic level is traffic leads sales. And when you get sales, what's the revenue associated with that remodel? Was it a half a million dollar addition? Was it a $150,000 kitchen? What was it? And if somebody hits your site and you drop a cookie there, they browse around, they fill out a form. Now we know it's Mary Smith. Mary Smith opens some emails. She comes back to the site several times. She meets with the salesperson. Eventually the deal is closed six months down the road. You go, oh, Mary first came to us from organic Google search. And that was $150,000. Mm-hmm. Now we, we've got that closed loop reporting. And, and so for us, you asked about the like guaranteed results. Like we just go off of data. And so we did a data poll. Our latest one was late last year. And our average client doubles web leads in six months and triples them in a year. And mm-hmm. so we know, hey, if we follow this framework that we've been doing in dozens of markets and we track it, like we know we're going to improve. We know we're going to increase traffic and leads. But you just get better and better at that if you track it. So for anyone listening, I would say like step one is making sure you have the tracking in place. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that, you're just going to be going off of feeling and guessing. And that's it. I mean, you're really just making a best guess. So for somebody who has no idea what you actually do, what are you actually putting in place through websites, through blogs, or through whatever, whatever sort of systems you're implementing for somebody who hires you? What are you actually putting into place to help drive leads to their website? Like, what are you actually doing? Yeah, we kind of break it down into like our framework. And so phase one is traffic drivers. Okay. We got to get more people that are interested in remodeling to our website, right? Like that's step one. Typically, that's going to be website content, SEO, blogging, social media can be a traffic driver, paid ads, Google, Meta. Those things get people to the site. Once they get there, we have to recognize only 4% of the market are what we call active buyers. So they're ready for a sales conversation. They want to go to the contact us form. They want to book a call. You know, they want to talk to a salesperson and kind of find out more. The other 96% are browsing. They're future buyers. They might be buying in two weeks, two months, two years. Like we don't know, but they're on the site and they're on the site for a reason. So we also want to capture that audience. And so we talk about top of funnel and bottom of the funnel to keep it basic. Like top of funnel is hey, let me download your cost guide or a process guide or something where we're going to swap info. Here's some more educational material. You give me your name and email. Now I've made a lead conversion. Um, Bottom of the funnel is easy, right? Phone number, contact us. Everyone has that on their website. Then we can move them into the nurture bucket, which is, okay, we converted somebody. How do we stay in front of them during this potentially multi-year research process while they're thinking about their remodel or two-week research process, depending on where they're at. And typically, email is the leading channel there to nurture, but social is a great nurturing channel. You know, somebody finds you on Google, then they pop over to your Instagram. They follow you while they're in research mode, retargeting ads. So those are all the, you've heard a lot of tactics during this, but for us, it's really big on understanding the framework and what's the purpose of all these different tools. Because otherwise, you go to a conference and you go to a social media you know, session and they'll be like, Instagram this is where it's at or whatever. And they'll, they'll list like 25 best practices for Instagram. But if that's all you do and you walk away and you're like, I got to post daily to Instagram. Like I can tell you, that's probably not the answer. 
based on the data we look at, Google drives almost all the leads, social nurtures the leads and you build your brand. If you're going to mm -hmm. build a personal brand, really go all into social, different story, but most people aren't willing to do that and commit to that. They just want to like post a photo a few times a week. Like that's not going to move the needle. So the framework for us is really important. So are you guys essentially building this framework for people to say, okay, we can follow this path from A to B to get us towards where we want to be? Or are you also offering services where you can handle the social media aspect or the the website aspect that's necessary to obtain the results that you're looking to do like are you basically saying here's the formula or are you also offering people to implement that formula and implement what needs to be done yeah we typically offer both so the strategy and the framework and laying out like here's the roadmap, here's the blueprint, you go do it. In that situation, we're giving them all the tools, all of our internal training systems and SOPs on like, how do you write a blog for SEO and lead conversion and not just for fun? But then a lot of people just want us to implement the plan too once it's done. So we, we changed our model. I guess it's been a couple of years now. We used to only do it for people. And at the, the more I have gone through marketing and just seen how impactful it is. I realized that there are some things that as an agency, we won't be able to do as well as an in-house team, but that in-house team needs to have the knowledge and the skills. And so we said, Hey, is there a way we can fill that gap for somebody that has like a marketing coordinator or somebody on staff that is doing a lot of the marketing, but maybe their specialty is in social or design, but they really don't know about SEO and, you know, blogging content or lead conversion or tracking and metrics, like, can we help pull them up so that over a longer time horizon, we can be the guide and the coach, but they can really build marketing as a core competency in-house. So I think over a long time horizon, that's the best result, but I don't think every company is set up for that. And not all companies have the desire to do that either. They'd rather just, you know, partner with somebody like us. Yeah, I feel like even from an accountability perspective, it's like, all right, so we're going to give you everything you need to be, but then are you guys implementing this? Is it getting done the way that it needs to? And is the effectiveness of your company and what you're doing being mismeasured because people aren't executing the way that it needs to be and it's like well all their shit doesn't work we we did everything that they asked us to do and it's like well did you really which i feel like would be tough i think it'd be tough to start out that way as well maybe be able to implement that after like you said like you have but i think that it would be tough to basically say okay here's what you have to do and then just put that in somebody else's hands and rely on them to execute your formula well, you think yeah. about all of the how-to out there, right? It's like, and, and the argument, it's like, well, I don't want to show someone how to do it because they're just going to do it themselves. It's like, the reality is they're not going yeah. to. Like, I, I can't tell you how many things I've I've saved in my phone or downloaded or or a guide to do this or here's how to make an extra, whatever. like, all of it comes down to execution where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I, I've, I, I went through an eight hour seminar on how to run Facebook ads. Cause it was super interesting to me. Guess what I did right after that? I hired someone to run my Facebook ad. Cause I was like, I don't remember 
what to do. I, yeah. it, and it's that, a lot, right? It is. I, a, a funny story real quick. I remember in college, I want to learn SolidWorks because I thought it would be valuable in my car building days. And I remember going through the tutorials, like they had a bunch of tutorials and I made every single thing, followed the tutorial, nailed it. And I was like, all right, blank project. I'm going to make, you know, a cup, like something very simple. I remember being, I remember staring at that screen, not knowing how to start. And it was like, I've done all of this work and it's like, I still don't, there's so much to it. There's so many things to understand and, and it becomes overwhelming. And I think marketing is a great example of one that is very overwhelming, especially nowadays. And Facebook ads are a great example. You, you mentioned it a minute ago, like retargeting ads. People are like, what the hell is retargeting? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you you know, you get an audience and then you create a, a quote unquote like audience. It's like, what's a like audience? Yeah. It's like what's all the people audience? that are yeah. <laughs> all the people that are like the audience that have already been to your website. Well, how do you know who's been to my website? Oh, we have a Facebook pixel. Yeah. Well, did you put that on 12 pixel? months ago? Yeah. yeah did you put, <laughs> what's a Facebook pixel? Yeah. And it's just and it becomes this like daunting task. Where, you know, I mean, even for us, we, we do a tremendous job with content creation, you know, and I I owe that to to my team, but beyond that, it's like, it's very organic in what we do. And, you know, and yeah, if you Google NS builders or Nick Schiffer, like we're on the first three pages, if not more. But if you Google like home builders in Boston, Massachusetts, I don't know if we'll pop up. And that's the reality. Like no one's going on Google typing in like, I want to build a house. Oh, let me type in NS builders. It's like, no, you need like best builder in Boston. It's like, or who can build modern homes in Boston, whatever it is. It's like, it's, and then, and then you go through this whole understanding of, okay, how do I show up there? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that the data shows that most people are in the nurturing phase on social media which when you say that makes sense. And, and before that, I, 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 I probably would have argued and said that where a lot of our clients are, are learning about us through social media. But the reality is, is they were probably already in a phase of wanting to do it, whether it is two weeks or two years or, or longer. Yeah. I want people to walk away from that. Like if we just are zoning in on this right here, Social media can drive leads for your business, and it does for Mm -hmm. many businesses. But the data, at least that we're looking at, says for most local remodeling businesses, Google drives your leads and social is the nurture tool, you know, because they're not on Instagram typing in Boston remodeler, right? They're on Google typing that in, and then they want to verify. And verify is like, oh, I'll go to social. I'll check these companies out. I'll learn about their culture, Mm -hmm. their DNA, see some projects like behind the scenes. I want to get more. And that's where that happens. For your business, who do you feel is the ideal customer coming to you? And what are they generally looking for? Like are most of your customers looking for more leads or better leads? Yeah, I would say generally doing two to 15 or 20 million in sales they want to grow. Most common is they need more leads. They're kind of stalling out, right? Like word of mouth took them to a certain point and they're like, I'm kind of stuck here. And they now are like, oh, marketing, that could be something different, you know, add, add another channel. 
But pretty close behind it is the quality of lead. They're looking for the right type. Um, and over the last several years, a lot of our clients have wanted to raise their average project size. And um, they're like, if I could just do the same number of projects, but bump up my average project size, like that would be really nice. And so it is focused on, those are the two big ones, right? They want more leads or better quality. And, and there's a little bit of a, an adjustment in how you approach that. But I'm also a big believer in you get to quality through quantity many times. And you just have to be mm. more diligent about pre-qualification. Like if you guys had 100 leads a month coming through your website and then you had 500 leads a month, do you think there's more ideal projects in that bucket of 500? Probably, mm -hmm. but we're going to have to qualify through a lot more to get to those. And also as a business owner, I'd much rather have more leads than not enough. And so it's just, it's a better problem to have, even if you are having to weed through the quote unquote tire kickers and the junk marketing leads and all that. And it's like, just get more and then qualify harder. And so those are the two problems. On, on Tyler's question, you know, you said two to 15 million a year. But what about the type of project? Are you guys tracking like the the most common type of project that you are bringing through that that funnel? I have not gone and pulled that, but just anecdotally from all of our clients, I would say almost all of it's design build, almost mm -hmm. all remodeler. We do have custom builders as well. But on the remodel side, most of our clients don't really want to do stuff below 50 grand. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it goes way above 500,000, but I think if I were to just pick like the core where the most of them fall, it's between that, you know, 85 and just above 200 kind of range. And is that based on like essentially the framework that you've built? I mean, I guess like what I mean by that is, I mean, 80 to the two, 250 or whatever, or 225, whatever you just said, that's going to be the the majority of the market that is remodeling like mm -hmm. that, that there, like you said, there's 500 versus a hundred, like there's more of those, those, those type of clients. Yeah. I guess my question is rooted from, you know, when we do all this marketing effort, it's, you know, people are always like, dude, like the people that you're marketing to the, the people that you want to be building for, like you're talking these multimillionaires, like these people that have a, a high net worth, they're not on social media looking at your stuff. They're not finding you through a Facebook ad. They're not, they're not finding you on Google. Like someone else is finding you for them. And it's like, you got to be marketing to that person or you got to be marketing, marketing to the architect where, so, and, 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 and to further expand, it's like I had a conversation with another builder today and we were talking about these high net worth clients and, and, and how he got into building these homes and he's probably the 20, 20th person that's told me, he's like, honestly, man, you, once you do one, it never stops. And he goes, we worked, we built this guy a house. He works for this finance company. And once we finish his house, his buddy wanted a house and then his buddy wanted a house. And guess what? The one that you just saw down the street, that's his other buddy. And it, he's like, and, and it's, it just, if that's that world that you play in, you, it's not a matter of like, oh, I know him from social media or I, I've seen his marketing campaigns. I, is there is there truth to that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, but I'd, I would 
but there is a way to reach that audience online as well. But and I'm, what I'm is, and what it'd be silly mean? of me to to say like, no, no, it's it's all digital. Like that's not the truth, right? Like of course, depending on who you're targeting, you would take a different approach. Yeah. But also like we've created content on like airplane hangers and country clubs. And like, you think about where do those people hang out and how do you attract, like, let's talk about the top, you know, yachting clubs in the area. And so there, there are ways, but yeah, the higher you go, there's definitely that relational component. So I saw you say, I don't remember if it was an article or a, a podcast where it's really important for people to be focusing on creating content than specifically ads and I hear you now saying, hey, we've created content for these people. What is the angle and the differentiation there between creating content for people and specifically ads? Yeah. So just to zoom in on content for us, the, the common piece would be a blog post, a project spotlight page. It could expand into, okay, it's a podcast, it's a YouTube video. But most of our clients, like we're creating written content for them because we can't be the ones in front of the camera or doing the podcast for them. And most don't want to. So that's content. So an example would be, I'm going to write a blog post on a very specific topic around a keyword search that we're hoping that, hey, when somebody does this search, they find our content. So twofold, one, we're trying to attract them through a specific search in the area. So the right type of client doing a search, now they're on our site. And then we could get into lead conversion, all that, but really pull them in and then educate them, add value, give first. So we're big education, you know, believers in, in that marketing style. An ad would be, hey, I want to run some ads for these keywords and I'm going to show up at the top of Google and it's going to be best builder in Boston. Click here and then we take them to a page on our website. So you're basically saying, hey, I'm willing to pay for this traffic and I'm picking the keywords in the areas and I'm just going to drive them to the site. That's like the basic breakdown is one, you're paying for traffic, one, you're hoping to earn it through content and SEO. And do you feel that the the creation of content is more authentic, more genuine, more valuable, or is it a combination of both that works best for people? Typically, the way I view content, I mean, if you just look at the stats, like organic traffic typically converts higher than paid traffic. And I think a lot of us have just, you know, we've been using Google a long time and we know paid ads from organic and we tend to have a higher trust level with those organic searches. Also, there's a lot of paid ads that the people running them, like depending on what the search was and they click it and they get there and they're like, I'm in the wrong place. Like there was a disconnect there. Whereas organic high likelihood that it's accurate because that's all Google's algorithm and they're, that's that's their whole pre- premise, right? You do a search, we get you to the right information really fast. And if they don't do that, we don't use Google. So um, I think there's that layer of it. But also when somebody does a search and they come through organic and they're reading content, you are now building trust. And And what I've seen is that The closest you can get to a referral lead is a content generated lead. So think about if if you've ever generated a project from your podcast, if somebody's listened to you once a week for six months and then they meet you in person, they probably spent more time with you than their best friend that year. 
in their ears. So the trust level goes way up. And that's that's why content's really powerful. You're essentially, you said that you can't be the one in front of the camera. So you guys are primarily, when it comes to content, creating written content for these people. That makes sense. Have you ever considered branching out into partnering or having a resource that can create more digital content for your customers or your clients? Yes. And we're working at that. It's been a slow, slow burn. I would say our biggest hurdle there is still having the person feel comfortable in getting in front of the camera because we can partner with a local videographer and we'll say, Hey, these are the topics. These are the Mm -hmm. questions you need to ask. Like just get that person in front of the camera, edit it. Like then we can embed it in the blog, put it on YouTube, get it on social. Like we know how to do it, but getting somebody comfortable in front of the camera is a big, big hurdle. So that right there, right? Like you think about any good business, like you, you solve some big problem. That is a, that is the number one problem. Number Well, I shouldn't, maybe not number one. Con- content is one problem when you talk about marketing. Every website builder will tell you that. I built this beautiful website. Now I need content. Oh, I don't have any, or I'll get you it. Here's a Dropbox file. Which ones you want to use? I don't care. You pick. Puts them on the website. Oh, I hate those photos. Change them to these ones. Yeah. Right? But then the other side of it is like you're talking about video creation and, and on camera. People don't feel comfortable with it. And yes, today, like I'm very comfortable on camera, but when I started cam- being on camera 10 years ago, I hated it and I was terrible at it. There, my, my mind goes in a handful of different directions here in terms of like, how do you solve that? But there's got to be a way or, or, or at least, you know, a, a worthy effort to figure out like, how do we create that person or or that or that comfort level for that builder. It's like you've already done the hard part of getting the, the builder to understand that this is a valuable exercise, and now they're just you know you've you're, you've been presented another roadblock of like hey you know he doesn't want to be on camera or he you know he can't speak he's not comfortable speaking to a camera. How do you fix that? <laughs> and 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 I know that's like the, the question, right? Yeah, but. It, I'm going to go out on a maybe a slightly wild limb here for a second, but I recorded a, a couple sentences for Doug, who's our producer at Motif Media, right? And he, I'm like, what am I doing? And he's like, if, I, if you record these sentences, I should be able to extract the audio out of it and be able to type in and then it will sound like you're talking. Now, I, he, I don't know if he's done it yet. I'm, I'm very eager to hear what it, what it sounds like. Maybe I'll sound more polished. But thinking about like AI, that mm-hmm. that that could be a tool f- for this where it's like, hey, like, hey, I just need to put you on camera. You don't even have to talk. Just just stand there and then we'll handle it from there and, and be able to create content. Now, again, like, you know, there there's a massive amount of effort that goes into this. And and I'm, I'm going into kind of like a, a wild AI world of of solution. But th- there's got to be a solution especially if it's if it's if there's value in it and you know tyler and myself know firsthand the value of video um and and what it's done for our own modern craftsman brand personal brand and business brand yeah i think the ai direction will happen right like the audio Mm -hmm. piece 
you can already do that pretty well. You can overlay audio on like B-roll of projects and stuff like that. Like that, that would be a quicker path. The video will come, right? There will be really good, you know, like you're watching me move and speak and everything, but it's not me. And I know there's already examples out there of that. I think the easy solution without the AI tool is the side angle shot. You show up, you point the camera at me, and then the person asking the questions is a little off. So I'm turned and I'm just having a conversation with a person and they're just asking you questions about stuff you already know. What's the design build process? And then that person that's in front of the camera isn't looking at the camera. They're looking at the person having a conversation. So I think you can get a lot of content that way. But when you ask somebody to stare down the barrel of the camera, that's a that's lot scarier. It. Yeah. And sure. so I think I think there are some easy ways that you can also just hire somebody that's like, this is going to be our content person. They're going to kind of be the face of our company, somebody that loves being in front of the camera. So and, and again, going back to AI for a second, there's, I forget what it's called, but there's an app that you can stare at a screen like me talking to you but it makes my eyes look like it's staring into the camera which is bananas to me like i I mean it's i guess at everything makes sense at this point but you know it was like oh this is an issue you know like people keep not looking at at the camera why don't we just create it so it automatically re re like digitizes my eyeballs straight forward it's so weird, <laughs> but it's like, this is, this is the world that we live in. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff coming. <laughs> I just asked, I forget the, what I, they were trying to do when I shot that MT Copeland stuff. They didn't do it, but maybe they were trying to have a monitor that I was like, everyone was going to speak into rather than a camera. Like the camera was going to have a monitor. So you were looking at whoever mm-hmm. was asking you the questions, like right in front of the camera, which would also help. Yeah, that's what it was because they were they were offset asking questions and then they just had the camera set up filming me. And initially, that's the way they were going to set things up just because most people who are going and teaching there were not familiar with looking at a camera and speaking to camera. Mm-hmm. And it is very weird. I, I also think that having a business like that, just working with somebody who can make people feel more at ease would help as well. It's like if if somebody's there to lead the conversation, even if they're not from the company, it's the same thing as somebody who can hold a good interview and make somebody feel comfortable during an interview process. Someone who's a professional at that can bring out the best of somebody on film, allow them to let their shoulders down and create that digital content. I mean, even what Doug can put together seeing it finished it's like this looks and sounds way better than it felt and i think that that helps a lot but i i do i do believe that it it is super valuable for companies to put their face on camera and speak to camera and and i also think that when you're going to hire somebody who's working in your house that there's just that that personal level that you can reach at that point where it's like okay this is this is a human's company it's not just a business who's going to be coming in here and i I think that that's the goal with a lot of social and everything else but i do think that being able to offer those services aside from just the written content and everything else would be especially for what you're doing would be really really valuable for for customers you think about even for me right we have i have access to doug 
I have access to people who could film and Doug could edit, but it's still, it's, it's a, it's a daunting process to undertake that and to be able to hire one company who could handle all of that would be like, Oh, that's one less thing to do. Like, let's yeah. just do it. Sign up for all of it. Let's pay. Yeah. I th- we're working towards it. <laughs> Not there yet. I think, the, I think the other thing, especially from a marketing perspective is, you know, I said it earlier, but there's so many parts to it where, you know, you're, you're, you're called builder funnel, right? And anyone that knows what a sales funnel is, it's like, you know, getting that prospect in and then bringing them down to, you know, closing a seal, a sale. Right. But there's also this like circular momentum where, you know, they're being introduced to you somewhere and then it's the follow-up and then it's the targeted ad, then it's the email campaign, then it's, you know, making sure that the email campaign is scheduled to go out every seven days. And then it's every two, like it's, it's, you know, on repeat. And I read a bunch of articles about marketing and I was, I was recently reading into email marketing and they were talking about, you know, when people unsubscribe and the thing that leads to the most unsubscribes is when that email doesn't come in on a regular occurrence if you email them every day at the same exact time and that content is like something that they don't read, like I, I'll give you an example. I'm subscribed to the morning brew. Hmm. I haven't read that email in years, but I refuse to unsubscribe. But the other day I got an email. I'm like, I haven't seen this thing pop in my inbox in forever. And it just made me realize like, I don't even like this content unsubscribe. And it was, and, and my, where I'm going with this is like, these are all the things that it's like, I I don't have the time to do this. Like I can't schedule it. Like this is way too, it's getting to a point where it's like, why even do it? If everybody's going to unsubscribe, I can't, I I can't even, I can't even dedicate the time to, to putting it out. And for me personally, you know, I'm like, that's something that I want to get better at. You know, I want email marketing in our company. I want email campaigns. You know, Catherine is on my, is my content manager you know, she's primarily working on social content planning, making sure our brand partnerships are fulfilled. And I was like, Hey, you want to handle email campaigns? She's like, I'm happy to help, but that's not something I'm good at. I'm like, Oh, cool. So we're on the same page. I need someone (laughs) that is good. (laughs) That is good at it. And, you know, I get, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but my point is, is like, there's just so many parts to this where, you know, I think about an agency like you and, you know, I've, I've actually invested into HubSpot for a little, a little time and end up canceling it because I was like, it's a lot of money. And if I'm not using it and even if I am using it, it's a lot of money, but it's fine. Like you, you see, you can, you can understand the, the value of it, but I'm sitting here. I'm like, I would love for when someone shows up to my website that I'm collecting their email. Like I do collect their emails, but I don't do anything with them. Yeah. How many emails are you sitting on? I don't know. A thousand. Yeah. Maybe it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine. Yeah. And it's like, I could be, I could be emailing them and I have the content. It could Mm -hmm. be just like, Hey, I posted on Instagram today and it's, and that's the, maybe, maybe I'm just interviewing to hire you, but, (laughs) but that's ultimately like what, you know, you're, you're, you're looking to, to, to help fulfill where it's like, Hey, you guys like, listen, you want to market and you want to do it. in you know, in a way that's all encompassing, 
you know, you said it begin at the beginning, like you got to measure it, but you also have to go into it with a plan. And like, for me, like if, I, if you said, Nick, what's your marketing plan? I could sit here and I could spit out what I would want. I would want in terms of like, Hey, I post on social media. When I post on social media, it sends out an email letting everyone know I posted on social media. And then when they get, get to that page, I know they're going to engage. And if they engage, then they tar- get a targeted ad to them saying, Hey, I noticed you engage with my post. Are you thinking about building? If you are, you should read my 10 things, you know, about building. And then they download it. It's like, Hey, they're thinking about building. And it's just this like circular, you know, momentum. And I mean, I'm geeking out on this a little bit, but it's, you know, the, what's it? The social dilemma on Netflix never saw it so it's about it's about the facebook targeting ads and like you know it's you know it's it's like it's so weird like i was thinking about buying coffee makers and then all of a sudden i got an instagram there was just coffee maker ads it's like well if you really sat there and actually like understood why you started thinking about coffee makers it it's not that it's guessing what you're thinking about it's that it's predicting what's on what based on your behavior Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, like, I don't find that weird. It's like, well, I, and, and it's like, well, yeah, I went to the store and I used my credit card that's tied to my phone and bought uh, an espresso machine. And then sure, like my credit card tied to my phone, my phone knew I bought an espresso because it shows up in my account and Nespresso is like, hey, I want that data. He bought it. Now I'm going to target him these brand new pods that we just came out with pumpkin spice latte flavor it's like how they know i got an espresso it's like because you use the plastic credit card and that's like the depth that's really it, for me it's really interesting and frankly that's how i like my clothes are from instagram yeah like every Most marketers every, don't think it's weird because you you know you love marketing so you're right. like oh, this is just good marketing you know yeah. <laughs> right person right time it's like, oh, I'm sick of these festival ads marketing to me. I'm like, I don't want it. It's like, based on your, your, you know, your, your try, like what you're doing online, you do want it. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second and let you know that I've been getting some great feedback on my book lately, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. You can check it out over on Amazon if you want the complete marketing framework that we use with our clients. All right, back to the show. So Spencer, for your general remodeling contractor who's within this demographic or this this sales volume that really is your market, do you when you figure out how much money you're going to be spending on these accounts, are you allocating like a certain amount of their sales to be spending on these? How are you determining how much they should be spending on whatever sort of marketing program they want to implement? Yeah. It, it's like the classic design build answer. Like it depends, but the factors would be how, like how big are they now and how fast do they want to grow in what time frame? right? Like two, $5 million companies, one that wants to go to six next year, one that wants to go to eight different. Plans. Let's role play. Yeah. Let's role play. Okay. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler makes 2 million bucks a year and he wants to go up to 5 million. Okay. Why? Because he wants to be a boss. Okay. I want to make more money. Make more money. Are you, are better you not things. profitable at two or profitable at two, but I just I want nicer things. My wife wants nicer things. Yeah, and that's motivating. For yeah, for us not right now, yeah. Yeah. I just okay. I need to make more money. 
you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at how much we're making and realistically there's some things we want in the future. And I don't think that we're going to be able to make it happen unless I more than double what I'm making now. So that makes sense. Do you want that 5 million to be more of the same types of projects? Or are you guys trying to change the scope? Um, I, I think that I would like to, like, I don't want to completely restructure the business as far as size wise. I understand I'll have to some, but I think that I would rather increase the quality of lead and the quality of job rather than just increase volume of work. Okay. What's your average job size now? Mm, 150,000. And ideally, where do you want that to be? Maybe 250,000. Okay. If we could wave the magic wand and go from 2 million this year to 5 million next year, could you deliver the work if I handed you the leads? Yes. You have the team? I'm confident that I could. Right on. Have you thought about a marketing budget? As of now, no. That's why I'm on the phone with you. Makes sense. Yeah. So everything right now has been word of mouth and, uh, you know, self-generated. Yeah. Do you do any marketing at all right now or? Social media. Okay. What are you doing for social? Instagram, partnership, brand partnerships, podcast, blog posts, but nothing. I'm not paying anyone to create or generate content for myself. Okay. How many leads do you get a month now? Let's see. A dozen. A dozen. Okay. So if we want to go to five, we need probably between 30 and 35 leads a month. Does that sound about right? Sure. Okay. And how many of the dozen are coming from your website versus referrals and word of mouth? Mm, About half. Okay. So six. Okay. And you're not running any paid ads? Nope. Okay. Well, I can tell you most of our clients that have similar goals are spending somewhere between 60 grand a year and 100, 120 grand a year. Is that something that is in the range of what you're thinking about to get to 5 million? I would say so if it, if it's doubling what I'm making or what what my sales volume is that that's a that's a fair about more sales volume obviously costs will increase, but I would say that that's a, a fair investment. Okay. And what's your gross margin on your projects right now at the 150? Oh, geez. 150. Let's see. I was making these numbers up. I thought. (laughs) I am making these numbers up. (laughs) Let's see. Let's say 18%. Let's say 20%. 20%? Well, we got to get that up. But okay, 150. So, So you're clearing 30 on a project. Yeah, let's say that's easy math. Okay. So if you were to spend say 90 grand a year, we'd need three additional projects to break even and maybe six additional projects to at least double your money on investing with us. Does that sound accurate? So 10 additional projects, nine to 10 additional projects. Nine to 10 would? Additional, yeah, if it's six to double three to clear my money, six to double would be like nine additional, 10 additional projects. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, I'm confused by the nine to ten. Because if we're clearing, you say that I need three to clear my money and then an additional six to double what I'm making. Six total. Is that what you said? No, six, six total. total. Yeah. Okay. So is that is that how you think about it? If you're adding marketing into overhead, then we need ninety. If you're going to spend ninety, you clear thirty on a job. You need three to break even. Six sure. would double your money. Okay. Okay. Obviously, we would have done a lot more looking at the website, traffic, conversion rates, stuff like that. But we could poke into some of that and say, hey, if we come in and install this whole framework and our typical client is doubling web leads in six months and tripling them in a year, do you feel confident we can at least double your money, if not make a huge dent in getting to $5 million? $5 million in one year is a big ask. I'm, I'm definitely not going to overpromise on that one. We're going to need a lot of paid. <laughs> We're going to need a lot of paid ads. But if we extend the timeline... I'm confident we'll get there. I'm only going from two to five. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, generally, you know, how we would, it's, it's a lot of diagnosing where we are because mm-hmm. where we are and where we're going is how we get there. So I where think, do you, where do you want for that, for that size of contractor, where would you say would their ideal profit margin be? if not 20%, like what, what do you think is a, a fair range to be for most contractors to shoot for within that size range? For Yeah, for gross margin, I mean, north of 30, but I know a lot of guys are getting north of 40. So yeah, 35, you know, 30, 35, somewhere in there. And obviously, then, then you have margin, all these discussions, right? right? Gross yeah. margin, yeah. yeah. But yeah, as you grow, then you start making those decisions. Do we want to increase our gross margin and maybe like sales volume doesn't go up as quick or do we just want more leads like we'll close deals at a little bit lower gross margin but we're going to do it in volume it's part of the strategy Mm -hmm. and you're and what do you i mean on the custom building side they're not you know they're not typically seeing a gross margin of 30 to 40 percent no that's very that's pretty specific to the remodeling side for sure and I can tell you firsthand, like we weren't, we, we weren't even clearing over 30 on some of our remodeling way back when. And it, you know, it was, I, it was wrong. Like we just, we weren't set up correctly. We thought we were, and we had all these additional job costs that we were just frankly not accounting for. But I think it's pretty common to see on the built on the custom building side, especially in um, Massachusetts in my market anywhere, you know, some guys are as low as 10, which is bananas, but you know, and then you get upwards of, of, of 20, but in the multi 17 to 20 here. Yeah. Yeah, 17 to 20. You know, you're not really seeing anything over 20 when you get into like the multi millions. Uh, So, but at the same, like, you know, the, which is a, is a good way to look at it, but it's also like, what's the actual cash in hand, right? Where it's like percentage doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of the the measurable where it's like the actual cash expended. You know, you can spend 1% of your budget in overhead, but if that's all of your cash, then, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I like the way that I like the way that you kind of walk through that in terms of, hey, you know, if, if someone's like, hey, how much to, to hire you guys? Oh, we're, you know, we're typically 60 to 120 grand a year. It's like for marketing. Ah, oh, screw it. Forget it. Bye. Yeah, where it's like, well, hold on. If if you're spending 120 and I gave you six hundred thousand dollars back, like, would you exchange 120 for 600? Well, of course. 
like that's a that's a great return on my money it's like well that's what we're talking about it's yeah. you gotta you gotta feed the machine and i think a lot i mean even from the building side you know and it's maybe it's harder harder in terms of building and remodeling if but if we were to like if i were to build someone a house be like hey it's five million dollars it's like five million dollars that's a lot of money it's like yeah but if you give me five million dollars and i build your house that's worth eight million would you do it Right. So with re- with regard to that, right, because I think that anyone, if you tell anyone, right, you give us 60, we're going to make you three times that the answer is yes. But the consideration and where the no's come from, where it's like, how, how long do I have to invest this prior to seeing a break even or a return? Mm-hmm. So my question to you would be, is there an average that you feel people are breaking even on that investment? I would assume that that you're not taking 60 up front and it, it's payments, whether per month or for services rendered. But what is that break even point? Do you feel on average for most people to start recouping their investment? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely broken up over the course of a year, typically. It depends. I would say anywhere from six to 18 months. It's interesting just with our company, it's right around that like nine to 15 month mark where you feel kind of that shift in momentum. And we have a lot of conversations around that 12 month mark where it's like, should we keep going? And then it's the 15 month mark. Like if we can get people there, you know, then it's like you start that compounding effect of all the content and you're starting to rank for stuff. Like you can go from position 100 to position 11 and have made tons of progress, but you're still in the top of page two. You're not getting any traffic. So Mm -hmm. it's a weird game that way. But obviously we look for wins in like increasing conversion rate right out of the gate, running some paid ads right out of the gate. Like how do we get those wins early on while we build this long-term strategy? Because we're not the hire us for three months, quick hitting agency. This year, our retention rate for clients is north of 90%. Typical agencies in the 30%. We're not perfect. And it probably won't hang out, you know, where it is now. Like our, our last three years were about like 80-ish if you take that average. But again, it's it's back to like strategy first, asking lots of questions. And then we've done this a lot. So if we see where you are and we see what gaps are, like let's fill the gaps first or let's look for the low hanging fruit. But we're always going to be long-term thinkers because we don't want to just like build a campaign and run it for three months and like, wow, that was great. And it's like, okay, now we're back to zero again. Like we want to build something that is truly like an investment. That's how I see SEO. Yeah. Why do you feel that most people who end up leaving you guys, is it to just pull their money from marketing or do you feel they're going elsewhere? It's a good question. I think it's a few reasons. Sometimes they will go with somebody else. You know, they're like, Hey, it didn't happen in the time frame that they wanted it to. Yeah. Didn't go fast enough or whatever it was. Cause we're always going to be able to make progress. The question is, can we make progress fast enough for that owner to feel like that's never done marketing before is now like, I believe in marketing. Believe it or not, some people pull because they get too many leads. You know, that's, you know, the classic like interview question, like what's your biggest, you know, weakness or whatever, like I'm a perfectionist, but it's reality. Like it just happened three weeks ago. Somebody's like, we're, we're, we're getting too many leads. We can't handle the work and we're starting to get negative word of mouth around like how we're Mm. responding. So they wanted to pause. 
And then there's always like somebody that will swoop in and, you know, point out all the little thing like, Oh, you could be doing this better, this better. And they, you know, have a good sales pitch. And so somebody jumps ship. I would say those are probably the three most common reasons. Yeah. Are you, are you actually, are you guys the one measuring the inbound leads? Mm-hmm. So that's all. So you're doing everything through HubSpot, right? Yeah. Like you're basically, so you've built, stop me when I'm wrong, but you've built a framework. Uh, <laughs> what a great co-host <laughs> that was so perfect that was like that is my life <laughs> um, <laughs> the so you've built this framework for builders and remodelers and you've you know i'm for the lack of better term like you've perfected it in terms of what works and you're plugging that into hubspot which is this centralized crm and you're utilizing that for seo content creation, the actual content posting, you know, inbound leads. So when someone fills out a contact form on their website, it's going into HubSpot and you're monitoring it. But, you know, say like Tyler would be getting the email as well and you're watching, okay, Tyler just responded via email. I would say that's where I'll pause you. We're not like keeping tabs on sales follow-up that closely, but we can see it. We can see it. but Once we're you have a lead, you're, you're just like check as a lead. You have it. You get it from here. And we do we do nurture the lead from like a, I would say a one to many or a automation like one to one. It's set up by us, but we're not following up. Like, hey, I saw you downloaded our cost guide. Like, hey, sales activities is within the company. We and we're pushing more and more into that area because, as you can imagine, we're marketers. Mm-hmm. But we're heavily like our success depends on sales ability, sales skill, follow up process sure. on the sales side, ability to deliver. How unique is the company? Like, are we even marketing something that's that different than everyone else? In the market? Like, there's so many things out of our control. So we're trying to chip away into some of those other areas to minimize that. The automation is is really cool, and I I messed around with a chatbot for a while on our website where it's like someone would get on our website, fill out a form, and it was they would get an immediate text message like, "Hey, thanks for filling out the form. This is Nick. Can I? Is there anything I can help you with?" And then it, and then my phone would ding and say, "Hey, you're we're currently chatting with a potential client," and I I thought it was it it led to nothing. Like we I don't think we had the the right questions, and and I I certainly didn't take the time to really like set it up well, but again, it's just like, this is a really cool opportunity where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we're losing sales because of lack of follow-up. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, and people talk about it all the time. It's like the faster you can respond to a, a lead, the higher your, your chance of getting that job is. And anytime yeah. we respond, anytime I respond to an inbound lead the same day, the response is always like, thanks for getting back to me so quickly, period. This is what I want to do. Are you available to do this? It's like I have it's it's uh, as though I have the project. Yeah. And the, the, fo- the and, lead and data just, is pretty compelling. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, follow up is huge. And it's, you know, and, and it's not just the fact that like you're following up, but it's also that, you know, they la- they either lose confidence in the fact that you're interested or that you might not, you know, maybe you don't check your email enough. It's not that they're like, hey, this guy doesn't respond fast enough. I don't want to work with him. It's they're they're probably thinking that. He didn't respond, so he's not interested in move, and now I'm moving on. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that gets lost from that first conversion to booking a meeting. Do you have 
like a geographic non-compete for people who you represent or clients? Typically, yes, if we're doing everything, like if we're doing the implementation. And another question that I have for you, when when most contractors or business owners come to you, what do you feel that they're failing with the most when it comes to marketing? Like, what's their biggest shortcoming? I'll maybe throw out a couple of things because I, I think the real answer is that most people have either done none or so little of it or they've dabbled in it that they kind of think like, oh, I built this $2 million company. I'm ready to go to five. If I throw $1,000 at marketing, that's $1,000 more than I've done in the past. This will blow things up. So just getting around that hurdle of that's not how it works and they haven't really done anything in the past, but kind of pushing that to the side and saying, okay, somebody that's kind of like, they've got a website, they add some projects, they're maybe blog randomly send a newsletter once a quarter they're on social like somebody in that zone it's usually not knowing why they're doing the things having the tracking in place and almost everybody is missing that lead conversion step for the 96 percent yeah if you walk away from this podcast and you don't have a top of funnel lead conversion offer on your website you are getting traffic today that has no conversion opportunity because they're not ready for the contact us. They're not ready for the phone call. If you install that on your top 10 to 20 traffic pages, you will get more leads today. You can call those people. I saw you downloaded our cost guide. Did you have any questions? Are you thinking about a project? It's pretty overwhelming. I'm happy. I'm here to help. I can answer some questions for you. Like if you don't have enough work right now, you should be calling those people. Whereas we always just think, oh, they, they downloaded something like they're just they're not interested. Like that's a worthless, like, are you kidding? That's somebody that's researching. It it's interesting to think about as well, because you look at every big company, whether it's in the building industry or the construction industry or not, and the amount of marketing and money that goes into this. And they are creating the leads and the work that, fits their program and then you look at most small contractors or remodeling contractors or builders and they're basically chameleons that fit whatever leads come across their plate and it's like every single job okay so maybe you have an $85,000 standard but then you are taking anything and everything that comes across your plate between there and it's how are you supposed to be an efficient, profitable business. If you're just, you have no system for generating the the leads that fit your business. And I, I think that that is a big issue within our industry where nobody knows what their bread and butter is. Like it's not, you can't just say you do kitchens. There has to be some kitchens that are more profitable. You can't just say you do full house remodels there's jobs that you should be looking for and customers and leads that you should be vetting. And every big company does that, but our industry doesn't. It's just, it's interesting to think about, which I guess leads me to when you, I understand that your family background is in construction and the impetus for a lot of this was when you guys had to do something about the market collapse and the new 
the new construction market collapse and get more dip your toes more heavily into remodeling and sell those type of jobs. But when you started your business, did you did you feel as though there was a, a greater opportunity because there just isn't a ton of marketing companies and agencies that are fulfilling the needs of this space and this size? Honestly, I, I didn't have ownership in that business and I just was finding and developing an interest in marketing. So yeah. I just was doing the the marketing and loved it. And so it wasn't like a... I kn- I don't know that I even would have had that opportunity to like have ownership in that company buy into it. It didn't, wasn't even on my radar. So I don't think I had the business savvy to be like opportunity cost here, keep building this business in this market and scale it out or do something or start this other agency. Not even that. I just mean in general, like the, the market that you like your, your ideal client Mm -hmm. It seems as though there's not a lot of agencies out there willing to represent these clients. And did you did you see somewhat of a hole in that market with your with your experience in the past and with the family side of of the business that you were like, yeah, this this is a a, a part of the market that has nobody really fulfilling the needs of this this sales demographic. I think I'd be lying if I said yes. I mean. I think I really just picked it more because I had the experience and then it was yeah. like, oh, I, I feel more confident going down this path. And we had a few clients that we were doing well with in that space with some other random other industries. And I knew from a marketing perspective for us, we needed to be different. And so I think I went through a little checklist as we we're like, how are we going to do this? And picking that industry. But I I don't think at that time I had the context of like, who else is serving this industry and how competitive is it? As we've gotten into it, I think we've just figured that out as a byproduct. Like there really just aren't a lot that are focused and dedicated to solely this industry. So yeah, I I feel like it would be really difficult because everyone does stuff differently. and, And every customer that probably comes across your plate probably has a different idea as to what marketing is and what the budget should be and how they operate your business. Mm-hmm. I almost think like from an outsider's perspective that it's like marketing yourself to roofers or siders or these type of people that just need like massive lead generation and there's not that much differentiation would be like the easiest thing to do and it's like it seems like you're picking a really difficult market to get good at yes and that's okay (laughs) i think everything is grass is always greener and at this point like we're 13 years in and we've figured out a lot and we've figured out how to bust through some of those challenges we know how to have some of those conversations where somebody's never done marketing before we do have some plans that we can start people on, you know, in less of that range. We talked about if you, if it's like, we can guide you, we can help, like we can add a lot of value in a lot of areas and that's fun. And I told my team a couple of years ago, I'm like, look, let's just set our North star is like, let's be the best marketing agency for design build for modelers. Like let's pick our corner of this world and just shoot for that. And I'm not saying we are the best. Cause I think that's just an ever chasing. You're always chasing that, but like, that's fun to think about. And, and from a like culture and team standpoint, like trying striving to be the best and knowing you have a shot versus if we're like, let's be the best marketing agency, period. Like, sorry, that just doesn't feel like that's within reach. So mm. I agree with you. Like we picked a tough 
battle, but also like you said, there's less competition. So in yeah. some ways it's easy. Like everything's grass is greener. So we like yeah, it. It, it, <laughs> it. It it is a very interesting like market segment that you're in because I can't imagine there's many of you, which is like a pro, but at the same time that's also a con because it's like what like what are we backing ourselves up against? What are we comparing ourselves to? What you almost have to create all of your own data. Like if you went bigger, there's companies that have done this before and companies that have the analytics to and the metrics to gauge and then you go into a different market or not remodeling and it's it's like yeah people have been marketing these type of companies for years and they did before this and they understand and it's like you're almost pitching this to companies who have never truly considered this and and then having to create and uh, generate all of your own analytics and data but at the same time like that makes you useful and valuable so it, it is it depends on what side of the coin you look at and i don't know if there's a right or wrong I was just thinking to myself while I'm like, damn, this would be easier to pitch to like roofers. It's <laughs> just like they yeah. just want they just want leads. Or even any specialty sub, it's like, like mold remediation. Yeah. Dude, I think just about crank the up the Google like, ads and call it good. Yeah, man. But that but that's just it. It's like they have like their their project duration is so short. But why don't we just become roofers? I mean, I haven't not thought about that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, it's roofing specifically, some of the wealthiest people I know are, were in, are and were in that trade. Dude, if it doesn't leak, just send it. It's send good enough. It. Yeah. Firestone warranty and moving on. Yeah, man. But it is, it's like that. Like I, I said this to one of my demo contractors and like the fact that, you know, you're just, you're on a job for one to five days. Yeah. And it's like, you're thinking about that constantly. I'm thinking about like, all right, this guy is parked here for two years. This is, what am I going to do with him after that? And then you like, and then you spend a year, you spend a year trying to figure that out. Do your roofers, Nick, typically subcontract their labor out? Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a big thing around here with a lot of roofers is they're, they're, essentially sales teams i I call them pimps yeah so they like sell and then they hire somebody and they they do have a handful of guys that work for them (laughs) but like most of them they bring in other crews to work for them and there's one or two that have smaller crews and even they have trouble staying busy keeping their crews busy where it's like yeah they're they're on the job instead of for a half a day they're there for like two days and i'm like why aren't they done with this roof yet they should be done by 11 o'clock in the morning it's just a different way of doing things but yeah like the the turnover on those jobs is insane like imagine the coordination it would take to have a new customer every two days. Well, it's like i mean it's like those vans you see it's like framing roofing siding decks aisle and it's, and I've talked to some of them like, you know, we have, I know one crew, they do framing, siding, roofing, and then just miscellaneous carpentry. And he's got, he's like, yeah, we, we fluctuate between like 120, 140 guys. <laughs> and I'm I just like, saw Chuck that there was like handyman services, painting, decks, and plumbing. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> oh, not sure about that. <laughs> like, I feel like something's and, off and, here. And they always snowplow. <laughs> Like always, oh, yeah. yep. but it, it's like 140 guys just thinking about like where Insane. they are every day. 
And it, I mean, and I guess this goes to your point, Spencer, it's like, it's volume, right? right. So if you just have a, a huge volume of, of work coming in, you know, I think it, th this conversation is like reinvigorating my, my desire to, to go down the rabbit hole of like proper marketing strategy, which maybe we'll, we'll talk about after this podcast, but it is, it is an interesting concept to think that, you know, especially on a consumer end, right? Like everything that you buy, you're, you're influenced to buy. And I said it earlier, it's like this shirt I'm wearing. I was like, I got an ad on Instagram 20 times. And then finally I joined, I, I actually, I didn't even just buy the shirt. I joined their VIP membership. So you I went all ten, in. Yeah. I went all in. I was like, <laughs> screw it. $200 for a VIP membership. Yeah, I'll do yeah, that. I'm a VIP. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm VIP. Like I'll I'll buy the I'll buy more than just one shirt. And then it's like and of course it's like, well, I have to buy more cuz I'm a VIP. And then I tell my buddies I'm like, "Hey, just so you know, I'm <laughs> VIP. So I'll get you a discount." And they're like, "Uh, dude, I I'm also a VIP." I'm like, "Ah, damn." But the like the reality like every everything I have is somehow influenced by, by marketing and mm -hmm. you, you know and to think that like our industry we are so word of mouth based which there's value to that no doubt like if my buddy said hey you got to buy this shirt it's the nice shirt I've ever worn I'd buy the shirt and but we're but we we are oftentimes just completely avoiding the whole marketing strategy because well maybe we have enough work coming in right now and we'll turn that marketing dial off. And when I need work, I'll turn it back on. And it's the reality is like you, you, you can't, you, you know, but what's the saying? ABC always be closing. It's like, yeah. you've got to always, like you have to, you always have to be marketing. You always have to be building that, that, that pipeline. And I've, you know, for me personally, I want to have a, a, a three-year pipeline. Like that's, that's my goal. That's like when I, when I sit about, sit down and think strategy and business, like I would love to have three years of work scheduled and, and, and be in a position where I'm not only always marketing, but I'm also always hiring. You just fire everyone. Huh? And, you know, for like five years of work lined up. <laughs> Problem is easy. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. You don't need Spencer. And then my so, clients yeah. are like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go find another builder. Um, so here's the thing about the word of mouth thing. A lot of, this industry is built on word of mouth, right? Mm. And so you go, okay, that's good. That means service was good. Customer experience, customer happiness, high. Imagine if you actually did some marketing and you brought more customers into the fold that we're now going to be sharing and spreading the word. Like you're mm. just building only off this word of mouth. And because we only pretty much do one project per client, sometimes more, but generally... It's not a reoccurring business. Every year you yeah. want to grow, you got to resell everything all over again and more. Imagine if you did some marketing and poured some fuel on the word of mouth fire. That's what I always like. That's a big opportunity. It's mm. true. And you like, especially with a small business, if there's no proper marketing or marketing at all, you're you're only going to grow as big as that referral market's going to get. And you're only going to ever do the jobs that you're doing now and that you've documented before. There's no way to really grow or it, you can organically, but it's going to take so much longer 
than developing a proper marketing plan to do so. Like the growth is going to be so slow and so controlled and you're only ever going to be as big as that small word of mouth network. And for a lot of people, that's just not enough. All right. I want to, so you know, who? like you obviously have seen our content. We've chatted before. You know what my, my grand plans are. We've talked off mic about some of them, but you, you looking at my content and what we're doing in terms of marketing and social media strategy, when you look at our stuff, where do you see room for improvement? I would love to go behind the scenes. Honestly, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? How much traffic do you get? How many leads do you get a month on the website? Leads less than I would say qualified leads or just leads in general. Just raw leads, total number. Form form Uh, submissions, you know, contact us, anything else. Form submission, I would say less than fifteen. A month, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Less than fifteen. Yeah. Oh, you got room. You got so much room. I know. I know I do. Then I mean probably your biggest gap is gonna be blog, project spotlights, SEO, ranking in Google. If you're only getting 15 a month on the website and in Boston, that's a, that's a total guess. So let me see if I sure. Can. But even if it was 30, Oh yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely not one a day. You, you can get that over a hundred for sure. Yeah. And, and most of them are not qualified. I would say most of them are not qualified. Yeah. So three days, you, my last, so my last content, but yeah. probably like you have a big audience on probably social and mm-hmm. you know, podcasts and that kind of stuff. But the people that are coming through Google have buying intent. They're looking for a company. And so you're going to get more of those people. But you also will get the people that have like future buying intent. They're researching. You've got all the content to nurture, to engage those people. But you're not getting enough of the right people initially into that content world you have. Because yeah, if you get more of those people consuming your social, seeing you, like all the personal brands, like that stuff you'll close a lot harder, but you're just not mm-hmm. getting that first wave. Yeah. The sick thing is you can like, you could charge Nick, whatever you want to. It doesn't matter. So. Oh yeah. I print. Wait, yeah. I know. Yeah. He's <laughs> big bucks, Nick. Right. So, I mean, he's a VIP. So yeah, seriously. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit. Um, uh, it's amazing. I, I mean, I know, I, I know that we can increase lead flow and it's something that we talk about a lot. You know, I, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with my, some of my team and, you know, actually Tyler, you and I were chatting about it, but you know, a lot of my life and a lot of the decisions I make, I convince myself to do them because I think, or, or I, I believe that they will inevitably pay off eventually. And one of the things I think about when, with social media, like someone asked me what we spend in social media and or, or marketing in general. We, I'll, and I'll just say it here. We spend clo- like close to 200 grand a year in, in, in content creation. That's a substantial amount of money, like substantial. And, and they followed up. It's like, does that pay you back? And I'm like, well, not, not entirely. Like, you know, yes, I'm closing multi-million dollar deals and they're like, yeah, I found you through Instagram. I followed you for five years and here I am calling you and we're building a house that's, you know, multiple millions of dollars. I could write that off as like, there I go. Like that was worth the investment. 
And recently I keep thinking about just social media and, you know, someone asked why we were on TikTok. I'm like, well, because I know that there's an audience there that it doesn't have a builder in their life and they're not going to build a home for one, two, five years, but eventually they're going to circle back. And I can't tell you how many people I read in the comments like, dude, I can't wait till I make it and I, and I contact you and you're going to build my house. And I know like all, not every one of those are going to come to fruition, but there's people better that, that are being nurtured by what we're doing that it will eventually convert. The key word there is eventually and, 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 and might like they might eventually convert, right? Where what you're talking about, forget that. Like, what about the people that are actively in your store right now looking to, to buy a product? It's like, yeah, that's great. Like these people are walking by your store and you have a great storefront and they're, it's super cool and they can't wait to afford to buy that pair of that, that t-shirt. But ultimately it's like, what about the people in your store? You're ignoring them like, or, or in the mall looking around like for the perfect t-shirt. It's like, well, you're, you're kind of looking past them and, and, and trying to find the person that will eventually buy. So this will be the teaser for our next pod where we can talk about brand because right. you did it the hard way and backwards, Classic. which which I think is better because brand is basically what we're talking about. And it's mm. you're building a brand and you're playing a longer game, which is to your advantage, but not necessarily all in the short term. But if you added some strategies in the short term layered in with your long term thinking of brand, then you would experience more short term wins along the way. But I think that's great that you said, like, sometimes I think entrepreneurs, you can tell you're like, I know I just need to be doing this and it's probably going to take a long time, but I'm committed to doing it. That's how it was for our podcast, right? I told our team, like, we're going to do this for a year before we even see if we're going to keep going or not. But most people are like, I need this work in two weeks or I'm shutting it off. Right. Like, and so we have a lot more of those conversations was like, when you know, in three months, are we going to land those first, you know, bunch of projects? And it's like, probably not, you know, and that's the hard conversation. But for you, you're already committed to a long-term game. And so now it's just layering in some of the short-term. I love the fact that everyone gets to just hear me spend money on this podcast. <laughs> Cause we're all that's like about. next, next hire in Spencer. If he, we see, if we see changes, we're, we're going to know it's builder funnel. Um, it's all. It is, yeah. <laughs> I love that scene from Schitt's Creek. It's a write-off. Who pays for it? I don't know the write-off people. <laughs> That's got to be a top, top all time. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. So you you alluded to the fact that we're gonna have another episode about branding. So is that? And I no, I'm all, I'm all for it. I think I would love to unpack the fact that you you think that I did it the hard way, which I mean I'm I I can see that. I think that. I'm not that's saying where, that's bad either. Just no, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I think that, you know, the conversation I had with Tyler about that I just alluded to, it's like that has been really top of mind where it's like, you know, him and I talk about it all the time, like this podcast we've been doing for six plus years. And, you know, there's the, the, there, this is an investment of time, like specifically time. And, and yes, of course, like we've also dumped, a fair amount of money into it, but just the time alone is is worth worth a, a, a lot. Six years, uh, you know, multiple hours per week. It's worth. There's value there, and you know the 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 conversation. You know, just like anything in 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 NS Builders and the Millwork Company and the mo in the media company and the podcast. It's it's like when 
when does that pendulum swing? How much time are you going to invest into something that is for the long term? And when are you going to focus on what's right, the opportunity that's right in front of you, rather than waiting for the perfect moment to ask? You know, it's like you you just keep doing it, thinking that eventually, you know, some like something's going to pay off instead of being like, how about I have more control? Like, I know I can I, I can turn this on and, 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 and just increase revenue, increase yeah. lead in lead flow. I mean, uh, to, to put it simply, uh, I feel that, you know, that's like what it's all about. And that's what having a plan is about. And I don't think that, I mean, I think that even the people who think that they have a marketing plan don't, maybe it's just creating more leads or generating more leads, but it's not necessarily tailored to what they want as well. And I, I, you know, to put it simply, I feel that if you are not, you're losing opportunity, you're losing opportunity to make more money, to be doing the jobs that you want to be doing, possibly fewer jobs and more quality jobs. And it's, it's definitely worth, it's worth the opportunity to try and implement or bring somebody on board to get you where you want to be. Cause if not, you're at the mercy of the market to dictate what type of jobs you're doing. And essentially it's whatever lands on your plate. It's, it's not shaped according to what you want to be doing and what's best for your company. Well said. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'm excited for the, for the branding conversation as well. Are you booked already for another episode? I don't think so. Oh, but. then I'll make sure that we get you back on. What else, what, before, before we let you go, what else you have working or what else do you have going on in the background that might be new or something you're excited about? Yeah, we've got, we've got a couple things. I'll share, share one of them because it's a little closer, but the topic of web design comes up a lot in our world and yeah. everyone wants a custom website. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the web design world, custom means untested unproven ah, shit and so we have been working for quite a while on a performance-based website for design build companies and so oh you can ask me a couple more questions or we can leave it at that but it's it's almost ready for for public consumption i guess with i guess the one question i have there and then and then I'll let you roll it out. But what is the number one thing you see that a website for like a design build firm is missing in terms of performance? I want to pick two. Sorry, I'm okay. going to break your question. <laughs> SEO and lead conversion. SEO would be like, what's the keyword strategy? And then technical, like we're in an industry, big images, awesome, mm-hmm. but like man, if they're not compressed and they don't load quickly, your site is going to load slow and that's going to hurt. Um, what about what about call to actions? That's lead conversion. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. calls to action, landing pages, like, yeah. but like integrated into the site and not just like slapped on there. And so, and it makes sense for the user. Like they're on this page, what's the conversion opportunity? They're at this stage of the buying cycle. What's the conversion opportunity? Like really thinking through, mm-hmm. that's why we we're calling it more of a performance-driven theme because it's around how do we drive traffic leads and sales instead of like, cool, this looks super different. It's pretty, but if nobody gets there, it really doesn't matter. Just like if you get a million people to your site and it doesn't convert, also doesn't matter. Yeah. 
I think that's the most interesting thing that I'm seeing right now, especially around these personal brands that are popping up, is the 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 ability that they're converting them into leads, right? I think of like Grant Cardone, mm-hmm. Ryan Pineda, all of these all of these guys that were, you know, doing something and then decided to go all in on their personal brand, but also have a website that when you go to, you you every time you scroll, it's like do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and sign up, sign up, sign. And, you know, if you, even for me, like, I know it's there and I know it's a strategy, but I still find myself, it's like, all right, you know what? I kind of do want to see what Ryan's newsletter looks like. So I'm going to sign up and it's like, Mm -hmm. who cares if I, and then next thing I know, it's like, he's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to be in this area. If you want to golf with me, fill out this form and maybe I'll invite you. I'm like, I suck at golf, but sure. I'll fill out that form. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and then it's like, then I get an email. It's like, Hey, heard you're a golfer. I'm like, well, I'm not a golfer, but yeah, but, but the, it's almost as though we could argue that in now like with, with this, this ability to market and, and SEO strategy and, and marketing strategy that you could build a business from zero to completely lead flowing in a very short amount of time and allow and, and grow your business to an infinite amount mm-hmm. based on, based on how much you're willing to invest in on, on, on the marketing end. Yeah. And certain categories have more reach and more like, obviously you mentioned a couple of guys, like they've, the strategy there is go ma- to the masses, mm-hmm. bring people in. They have price points that they know will work with that. They've thought through the conversion. They've thought through the whole funnel, right? The whole strategy yeah. behind that. And, and it works. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> this stuff is fun. I like it. It is fun. It is fun. And I know we've chatted about it before and even offline. And it's like, you know, it's something that I'm just, I continually try to figure out on my own. And the reality is I'm going to shoot you a text message after this and we'll schedule a call. But there so, we are. Uh, cool. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, man. Hopefully, yeah, uh, making the time. Hopefully, our podcast converts for you. We'll want to understand the numbers behind that. You know, we'll give you, you know, just so we can. So when we when we put a testimony on our website, it's like, hey, we converted Spencer. We we two x Spencer's business over one episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so come be on our podcast easily, easily. Yeah. Two I'll, to five I'll just, write, I'll just write you a check. Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> you'll just get one in the mail, and you're like, okay, it can it can. Ah, nice royalties. <laughs> yeah. Spencer, I appreciate you being on, man. I appreciate what you do and 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 sharing, you know, what you've done over the last thirteen years, and that's cool. Yeah. So, cool. what's your what's the best place for people to find you? Mm. Honestly, builderfunnel.com. Go jump into the content. If you like YouTube, look us up there. If you like the podcast. Builder Funnel Radio, Builder Funnel TV. They're we're easy to find. I would just tell people go to whatever channel you prefer because we're we're out there. Who who's running the Instagram? You? No, it would be terrible if I was running it. <laughs> Fair enough. Somebody Maybe on my you, team. Nick and you and Nick can trade. Nick will run your Instagram. You can do his marketing. Beautiful. <laughs> That'd be a post- good trade. I haven't posted in three days. I gotta, I gotta get back on that. Dude, what are you Uh-oh. doing? I, I know. Well, you know, I don't know. Slacking. So. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Thanks man. Appreciate your time. Likewise. That stuff is so. That stuff is so interesting to me. It's kind of creepy to me. It, not gonna lie. I, I mean, I understand why people find it to be creepy, but I don't know. I think it's cool.
It doesn't bother me. It is. I just, it's not what I want for my business. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nothing I've like dug that deeply into. Sure. But if, if I were curious about it, I would be all on board because it's like a no brainer to go that route. But I like, I mean, I feel like so many, even some of the businesses that you think just naturally grew, like, no, they, they utilize strategy like this. Dude, every even big at, company, every company. Yeah. Like it, it, it's the smart thing to do. Even think about, think about just like the podcast. If we were to utilize a strategy like that for the podcast, what yeah. our reach could be. Absolutely. It's like, oh, I didn't know this podcast existed because I don't follow Nick and Tyler on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's got me thinking. If you guys have, well, I'm curious at what you guys' thoughts are. So head over to our Instagram, drop a comment below Spencer's clip and let us know if you're utilizing SEO or what marketing strategy that you are utilizing if it's not SEO. And if you're if this is all new to you, let us know that too. And in the meantime, if you could please do us a favor, head over to iTunes, drop us a quick review, let us know how we're doing, keeps us in the, the top spot for construction-related career development podcasts. It would be hugely appreciated. It only takes a, a quick minute. And finally, if you know someone that would appreciate content like this, make sure you share the podcast with them. And until then, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.